0: This is episode 266 of the official Gunnageek.com show. This week, we talk about how Spidey sells, how NASA has made an offer, and we also hang up our Hangouts hat. Or do we? Plus, SP has another space symposium, and once again, he also doesn't like me. This and more in this week's show.
1: I'm Lauren from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a podcast member of the Gunnageek Geek Network just like the one you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other podcasts at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three, two, one. This is the official gunnageek.com show. Here, we're a bunch of geeks talking about geeky things. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek, these are your hosts for the show, Stephen.
2: But what if I'm in the mood for a T-Swift story? Chris. I've heard the X is going to give it to you. And SP. That's how we
3: roll on Gunna Geek on Monday night. We get crazy!
1: Gunna Geek Productions presents the official GunnaGeek.com show.
0: Welcome to episode 266 of the official GunnaGeek.com show. I am Stephen Drew, and of course, today I have none other than Chris Farrell.
2: Who's that? Whoever they are, they sound like they're awesome.
0: We also have with us the wonderful, the fantastic, you might say to yourself, who is he? Because I've never met him before other than when I've stalked him and he stalked me, Stargate Pioneer. Excuse
3: me, is this the Hallmark? holiday channel and just calling in to say i want to watch more of the movies
0: i got really exciting news for you stargate pioneer i've mentioned it on this show before okay so let's back up a second here for those of you not familiar stargate pioneer loves himself some hallmark movies they like to see a bunch of different people in a bunch of different roles that you traditionally would not see them in well the fun fact is that a lot of them end up being filmed in my region And uh, here's the thing. In Canada, we don't have the Hallmark Channel. So for years, I've been like, SP, you can watch the stuff that was filmed in my hometown, but I can't actually watch it myself. Well, this past week, I was sitting there watching a wonderful, another episode of Homes and Homes. And what do I see on commercial? I sent Stargate Pioneer an ad. Apparently, the Canadian W Channel airs some Hallmark movies. So SP... (gasps) If I want, I can go ahead and watch them if I want. How many have you seen? Uh, I will give you a hint. It starts with Z and ends with Eero.
2: I I was going to say Zed.
0: (laughs) I uh, was going to say Zed, but then I didn't want to be ridiculed, but you did anyway. So I'll just go ahead and say I said Zed.
2: If you won't let me make the joke, I will make the joke (laughs) for you. It's what I'm here for.
0: So Stargate Pioneer, uh, this is not the Hallmark line, but if you want to confide in somebody, I can now be your confidant about Hallmark movies. Feel free to reach out to me.
3: What was your favorite one so far this year?
0: Uh, it was the one where it, it snowed and they kissed in it. That's my favorite Hallmark movie.
3: Was there mistletoe or was there not mistletoe?
0: <laughs> there was mistletoe and it was at the end before the credits came up. You know, the, the mistletoe's there, the couple kisses in the snow. Uh, that's my favorite one. Was there a Christmas village involved? There, there definitely was. And there was a uh, uh, will-they-won't-they-whole vibe through the entire movie.
3: It doesn't narrow it down.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but we are here with uh, another geek show. Uh, yeah, that's right. We do talk geek stuff here on the com show when we're not talking Hallmark movies, of course. And I want to start us off with a little bit of a... I'll call it a uh, decompression. That's what we'll call Ooh. it, a decompression. And last week, we got really busy with Andrew Zarian on the show. And I was going to talk about this last week, but we just ran out of time. So I want to just go ahead and first say, if you haven't checked it out, geeks.link slash 265. Really fun episode with Andrew Zarian. Lots of fun talk in there. So check that out. But the previous week to that, it was Black Friday. And there was a deal that I wanted to call out and just say BS. And it was name cheap. Namecheap was advertising for a long time. that They're a domain registrar that they were going to have Black Friday deals and they were going to do like an hourly thing where between the hours of X and X, you could go and you could get a specific deal on a domain. Sometimes it would be com. Sometimes it would be dot Chris There was a whole bunch of different deals. Now, here's the thing is every single deal sold out without within seconds. And it said there was no more quantity available, even like the random dot Chris Farrell ones were gone like near instantly. I searched Twitter to confirm it wasn't just me. Everybody said the same thing. So clearly they had a very limited, and I don't know what it is, but one can speculate, a very limited allocation of these available domains and you basically couldn't get them. So it was very frustrating. I tweeted, they tweeted me back and said, well, we're sorry that you had this. Hopefully you'll have more luck on Cyber Monday. And I didn't. So it was a little frustrating to me, uh, especially when I couldn't get my cheap dot Chris Farrell. That was the domain I was going after. It'd be accurate. I mean, I am fairly cheap. (laughs) So I just wanted to mention it on here because uh, I don't like games like that. You know, I'd be okay if they actually published how many it was. Like, you know, you go and you look at uh, the big box store and they go only five per store. Cool. Fair enough. I know that I have to run over my grandma in order to get that TV. Fair enough. I know that I can live with that. But when they just don't advertise it, it really, really frustrated me. The next thing that I wanted to sort of decompress on, and I hope that I can get some sympathy on this because I know that you two use this service. Uh, This past week, Netflix Canada has announced that they are doing a price hike to Netflix Canada. That's right. Uh, It is something that they are saying it's going to allow more content. But here's the thing. The Netflix Canada catalog is not what you know in the States. It's a lot more limited because there's a lot of big corporations and big Broadcast companies that actually have the whole rights to a lot of the stuff that you get down there. So, Netflix did hike it up and, like, on the top plan, it went from $13.99 to $69. That is the $3 increase. And they've just done this. Like, last year they did not increase. So, I just wanted to mention it again. Decompress at the top of the show. Get it off my chest because um, I didn't want it to spill into the news, but it is very frustrating to me, especially on the heels of some other news that we might talk about in the extra extra. So, Thank you for letting me decompress Chris Farrell and Stargate Pioneer. Will you please give me a hug now? Come here.
3: Come here. Three dollars. No, I'm not going to hug you for three dollars.
0: But, but that's three dollars that I don't want to spend. That's the way it goes.
3: I'm, I'm being the tough dad right now. If you mm-hmm. want it, you're going to have to earn the money for
0: yourself and you're going to have to pay for it yourself. So I can't have a hug? No. Does it, can, can I still hug you in my dreams? I can't control your dreams yet. Perfect. So I'll go ahead and make sure that picture on my nightstand is up of you and continue to have those wonderful dreams about you as we roll into the news. <sighs> I'm so sad now. How am I supposed to continue on now that I don't have a hug from Stargate Pioneer? I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have that hug. I've, I've offered you a hug twice and you turned me down. And that's because your hugs are good. They're good. And they're like really grizzly. But I want like a just like a
2: old man hug. That's what I want. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. My hugs aren't good enough for one Steve and John Drew. This hurts my heart. I might just have to leave. You know, Steven, I've actually had a hug from Chris and they are big, but
3: they pale in comparison to my hugs. And I am still withholding my hugs from you over three dollars <gasps> on Netflix Canada.
2: Is is this what breaks up better podcasting is the lack of a hug? Oh, we broke up a long time
0: ago right now. Oh, you're it's all not,
2: CGI now. Uh, no, it's a
0: contract now. <laughs> 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 all right. So give me some good news here. If I'm a Spider-Man fan, which I am. Am I happy about how well Spider-Man games are doing?
2: Well, you should be. I've talked about a little bit in passing on this show before, but Insomniac's Spider-Man game for the PlayStation 4, it's been out for a little over two months now. It's a fantastic game. I talked about it on this show. It made me go buy a PlayStation 4 just so I could play it. That's how much I enjoyed this game and thought I would enjoy it. So you got to imagine it's selling pretty well. We can get an idea of just how popular it is by looking over at our friends in the united kingdom as of right now it's pretty much a done deal that marvel spider-man has become the fastest selling playstation 4 in uk retail it is even on its way to beating uncharted 4 a thief's end to become the best-selling playstation 4 exclusive in the United Kingdom. Now, while this is not North America or Japan or something like that, it's still an interesting games market we have in the United Kingdom. And it just goes to show how popular the Spider-Man game has been. I mean, it's fantastic. graphics is great. The story is great. I have minimal issues at all with this game. It's an impressive feat. We know it holds the lead against Red Dead Redemption 2 for now, but the question is how long until Rockstar's Red Dead Redemption 2 comes and takes the crown away because that game... Also phenomenal. So,
0: does this mean that you single handedly made the sales go well because you
2: bought into it? Is that what this is about? Well, I bought my game in North America, so I could not have helped this, but I like to think that I have done my part by being an evangelist for this game on the internet to try and convince people to go and buy it and play it. It is very, very good. And also, full credit to Willie D. Nelson. My co-host on a different show who was the first to taunt me into wanting to get this game. He's totally right. It's fantastic.
0: Oh, you're not even mentioning the name of the show anymore. You just don't talk about it when you're not doing it. No,
2: (laughs) I'm trying not to shamelessly self-promote. I'm trying to turn over a new leaf and not shamelessly self-promote myself. Okay, fair enough.
3: So Spider-Man has become the fastest selling PS4 game in UK.
2: Do they not have Red Dead Redemption 2 yet? They do, but it's got a bit of a lead on it because it came out about a month and a half before. So it's just a matter of there's a lot of people like myself that have a big, uh, how do I call it, uh, backlog of shame when it comes to their games. And they like to try and wait until some of them drop in price when they've got a few that are sitting in there, which seems like a good idea. But now I've got like three more games sitting on the backlog of shame because they dropped below 20 bucks that I wanted to play. The backlog never goes away. It's a problem.
0: I just want to go ahead and throw something out here. Um, Chris Farrell's being modest because he is saying that, you know, he doesn't live in the UK, so he can't be responsible for this. But as he mentioned, he talks about it a lot. A lot of people play stock in what Chris Farrell says. This is a known fact. It's an unargued fact. And here's the thing is we actually had an episode of the com podcast. This was before it was the com show. It was com podcast number 111 was titled Chris is moving to the UK. This is all speculation. It picked up because of the fact that everybody believes Chris is either in the UK or moving to the UK and thus the connection. So Chris Farrell, give yourself the credit. You did it. You did it single-handedly.
2: Well, it's all me. I did all of this. I am the greatest person to ever evangelize Marvel's Spider-Man on PS4. You can send your thanks to me on Twitter at the Chris Farrell for all of the good work I did, and if you think I've done good work now, here's a tip for you guys who might want to play the game right now. Uh, Amazon's doing their special twelve days of special twelve days of specials or something like that on their site right now. Today, as we record this on December third, is their gaming day. If you are watching live right now, you can go on Amazon and buy Marvel Spider-Man for thirty nine ninety nine physical or buy a digital redemption code for thirty nine. 49 so you don't even have to wait for the disc to show up so never let it be said i didn't give you good advice on how to spend your money
0: chris farrell again he's helping out this game
2: without chris farrell's push it would be a flop because you know who really needs my help to sell games Jeff Bezos and Amazon.com. They struggle to sell all sorts of video games. So they need independent media like us on the internet to go and be like, you got to buy your games. Amazon's got great deals. I'm just going to say you were an early Amazon Echo adopter. You just did
0: it. It Another example on how Chris Farrell influences the internet.
2: But now I'm cheating
0: on her. That's true. You are. That's a good story, which if you want to find out about that story, you should go ahead and head over to www.gunnageek.com slash discord and join our discord server because in the hashtag smart home uh, channel, there is a lot of fun talk, including a wicked deal that Chris Farrell got. So check that out at gunnageek.com slash discord. Stargate pioneer. Moving on to your news here. You said that NASA was selecting nine right yeah and not seven of nine no but nine. Oh, no now i'm not interested because <sighs> that's what i thought we were talking about was seven of nine
3: me too no nasa selected nine companies for commercial lunar lander program in an article by jeff faust on SpaceNews.com on november 29 2018 nasa has picked nine companies ranging from startups to aerospace giants to be eligible for future contracts to deliver payloads to the surface of the moon, but with no guarantee of business for any of them. So this is a task order sort of government contract. NASA announced in November 29th the selections as part of its Commercial Lunar Payload Services or CLIPS program. I think they missed the CHIPS program right there, by the way. You know, the California Highway Patrol CHIPS? Is it Mr. CHIPS? No, I guess you guys are too young to remember chips on TV. Ponch.
2: Fish and chips.
3: All right. (laughs) So the chips program where the agency will buy space on future commercial lunar landers to carry science instruments and other payloads. The winning companies are drum. please. (laughs) Oh, wait, hold on. Wait, I might actually
0: have one. Do I have one here? Oh, do I have one? Oh, where is it? Where is it? You got to go. It just keeps oh. going. It just can't go.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the winning companies are Astrobiotic Technology from Pittsburgh, Deep Space Systems from Littleton, Colorado, Draper from Cambridge, Massachusetts, my personal favorite, Firefly Aerospace from Cedar Park, Texas, Intuitive Machines from Houston, Texas, Lockheed Martin Space from Littleton, Colorado, Masten Space Systems from Mojave, California, Moon Express from Cape Canaveral, Florida, and Orbit Beyond from Edison, New Jersey. In the press release, NASA said the companies are eligible for up to $2.6 billion in awards over the next 10 years. NASA is providing no development money for any of the companies who will have to raise the funding needed for their landers from other sources. So, guys, I'm kind of conflicted here. On one hand, I'm like, this is great. NASA has. All of these companies able to uh, go up to the moon to have a rover and they can put a payload on it. On the other hand, I mean, I've got to scratch my head. I don't think any of them, including Lockheed Martin Space in Littleton, Colorado, really has the funding to go ahead and pull any of these off because I just don't think it's in their corporate best interests. But I could be wrong. I mean, guys, what would be a reason to go to the moon?
0: Uh, Obviously, so that we could colonize it and turn it into a sort of a block. So what's going to happen? Okay, it's going to be a bit of a a shield. And what it's going to be is is a distraction shield. So when the Borg come, they're going to want to start assimilating us, right? And they're going to get all distracted by the shiny moon object. And then be like, okay, well, we'll just go assimilate that people. And what we'll do is we'll send like the dumbest of Earth to the moon. So they can be assimilated. So then they will dumbify the Borg collective. So really, it's a defensive measure.
3: So, Steven, what you're saying is you have an early ticket to go to the moon.
0: Heck yeah, that's me.
2: Suncast beat me to what I was going to say for the reason in the chat room. But to prove the earth is flat, that's why we go to the moon.
0: (laughs) Okay, can we talk a little bit about some of these names? Like we have Firefly Aerospace. We have Moon Express, which is clearly a take on Planet Express. Like, come on. This is like a deep space systems, clearly Deep Space Nine. All sorts of weird things we got here.
3: Some of these companies are left over from the, uh, what was it, the Google X Moon Prize, Lunar Prize. But I think that some of these companies, venture capitalist funding ran out and there no longer exists. So I'm not sure what's going to happen to any of these companies. Remember, this is NASA saying, I will pay you to ride on your trip to the moon. I'm not going to pay for your trip to the moon. So we'll see what happens and what doesn't happen. I'm not really optimistic, but if they're stashing up to 2.6 billion in like high risk stakes, R and D NASA. Okay. I'll, I'll take it. It might pan out then as long as they launch and get to the moon.
0: Okay, I take it back. It is not a defensive measure. SP just let it slip. The director of SNASA just said stashing $2.6 They are stashing $2.6 billion on the moon. SP, you are probably fired because you just let it slip.
3: <laughs> not really, because that $2.6 that we're stashing on the moon is all the money that we owe the deputy director of SNASA. <laughs> so he has to go up there to get his pay.
0: Uh, Fair enough. All right. Well, moving on here. uh, The next article that I've got here is all about the future of Google Hangouts. It's been a weird week for Google Hangouts because late last week, 9 to 5 Google made a post about Google Hangouts. According to the post, a source familiar with Google Hangouts said that Hangouts for consumers would be shutting down sometime in 2020. Now, that's not really that surprising, given the fact that Google essentially has stopped development of the Google Hangouts app and infrastructure about a year ago. The post, though, continues to go on to say that 2019 would be the last year for Hangouts. But then there's a bit of a caveat to that because some confusion ensued shortly after when Google Hangouts Meet, which is a different product, but still uses the Google Hangouts brand, ended up announcing that it would now support 100 participants now although those products are different the fact of the matter is Google Hangouts meet uses the Google Hangouts name and people are speculating that Google Hangouts is dying but then they're going and they're developing a product that actually uses the Google Hangouts name so a lot of confusion happened over the weekend well on December 1st got even crazier when Google's Scott Johnson chimed in on Twitter saying that they had not made any decisions about the timeline of an apparent hangout shutdown. He basically took the nine to five article and tried to shoot it down up front. But then as his tweets continued on, it got even crazier where all of a sudden he did confirm that the version that we know now as Google Hangouts would be shutting down eventually. He did say that the users of the consumer Hangouts would somehow be, quote, upgraded to Hangouts Chat and Hangouts Meet, which is essentially the enterprise version of Hangouts that has been sort of floating around over the last couple of years. The summary is that it sounds like the consumer version of Google Hangouts that we all know so well will probably be going away Well, it will be going away, but the timeline that is posted on 9 to 5 google may or may not be accurate. A lot of confusion is happening about this and also when you look at sort of the history of Google Hangouts, which for those of you who aren't familiar, the chat that's actually within Gmail, that is Google Hangouts. That at one point replaced what was called Gchat, which was an integrated chat into Gmail and then it kind of just rolled over and for some people they didn't even notice. So we don't know at this point what is the future of the consumer version of Google Hangouts. It looks like it's ending, but when and what the direction will be past that point remains to be seen. So a lot of confusion about Google Hangouts this week.
2: And so normal for Google products when they're nearing the end of life or when they haven't been updated in a while, you have customers going, uh, what the heck? What's going to happen on this? Like you said, Stephen, the writing's been on the wall for this for a while. Google's tried how many different chat apps. They've had Duo. They've had a couple other chat things. They've now got, what is it, the RCS version of text messaging that they're now supporting in the Messages app. They're just kind of throwing crap at the wall to yeah. see what sticks here. Hangouts was the one that seemed to stick the most, mostly because, like you said, they built it into the Google products. When you open Gmail, that's what's there. When you open any of the other things that connected to Google Talk, Google Chat, whatever form that was used to be, that's what was there. So I'm kind of curious to see what gets stuck in Gmail when this goes away or if they're literally just moving everyone over to this Hangouts meet side of things, which is basically a beefier version of Hangouts that I actually wanted to try but never qualified because I wasn't a business.
0: Yeah, I use it all the time. Um there's a couple of things I don't like about it, but overall, it's been pretty reliable for me, especially when I'm messaging with international people, because so many people that I know have it. Uh, when I look at the other alternatives that I've got, WhatsApp, Viber, you know, aside from text message, there's such a split base. So uh, Facebook Messenger is the closest one. But how could I Facebook message Stargate Pioneer and send him all those late night pics? I couldn't because it doesn't have Facebook.
3: That's true. And Facebook would censor the pictures
0: anyway. Well. That's the fun thing about it is I put them into uh, binary code and then you go and decrypt them on the other side and uh, look at some ones and zeros.
3: Late at night, I'm not going to decode anything, Steven.
0: No, you just look at ones and
2: zeros and imagine my you know what. No. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how they transition this because as we're talking about this, I went and pulled up some stuff on Hangouts Meet off of Google's site, which is part of their G Suite, which is used for businesses and things like that. And it looks like in order to do the voice and video conferencing the team messaging that Hangouts Meet is that replaces Hangouts, if you even do the basic plan, you have to pay five bucks a month. So are they gonna make us pay for this? Because if they are, (sighs) Hangouts Meet can just go pound sand. I'll find some other messaging service. That's interesting. I didn't know it was five bucks a month. That's the basic line. There's a five buck, a ten buck, and a twenty-five buck tier. All of those, though, however, get the video and voice conferencing and the secure team messaging, which is what you're going to want if you're replacing Hangouts because we want to be able to have those same capabilities. Is it just a grandfather in that everyone gets voice and video conferencing and team messaging through Hangouts Meet now? Maybe I could live with that because I tell you what, I don't have a need for the G Suite. I use regular Google services and buy extra storage on the side. So this is overkill. And I don't know about you, Steven, I somehow don't see a pan for uh, G Suite tools for the Geek network.
0: No, that's not going to happen. In fact, I'll probably start charging everybody so that I can use it.
2: No, that's not true. that's (laughs) a smart plan. You heard it here, folks. Steven's going to charge us to use... No, I'm just kidding.
0: It's really weird, like, because, you know, it's easy to go and say, well, Google's got to make money. But here's the thing. How many times have the three of us, just in this little circle of us, chatted about something on Google Hangouts only to get ads, right? It's all very valuable data that they are using. So, it's absolutely in their interest to offer a service that people quite like. I will say that the whatever, now Duo is the video one, what's the the text one? Allo. That's it. I don't like it at all. It's the Android trying to be another version of this, but Android, there's no desktop client, it's really flaky, it's weird, It's, you know, nowhere near like an iMessage. So I just, I'm curious to see what the future holds for this, because there's so much data that they could mine from somebody who's regularly using one of their products to chat. Stargate Pioneer, um, if you were going to try to message somebody international like myself, right now you are using Hangouts with me. What might you be interested in and falling back on? Because like you don't have Facebook and Facebook, lot, Facebook Messenger is one that a lot of people are falling back to. And whenever I message somebody new on the network, I'll be honest, a lot of times they go, well, you can hit me up on Facebook Messenger. Doesn't work for me because I get a ton of spam messages and a bunch of random fan requests and, and it's just too cluttered. So for me, Facebook Messenger doesn't work. But putting that aside, you don't have Facebook Messenger, SP. What would you be using? I'd probably rely on WhatsApp. Yeah, but then, you know, like, it's that's a whole different experience, and then who has it? Uh, Chris, you don't have it anymore, right? I've never had WhatsApp. Yeah, so it's...
2: I like Google because so many people have it. It came on an Android phone, for instance.
3: There's also Twitter DMs, there's private
0: messaging and Discord. There's other options available. But Discord is limited. It's segregated. Right? You have to have Somebody, you have to, it's not easy to find somebody in Discord unless you're in the same server as them. No, but you and I could converse back and forth. We could. We could. That's true. But you're not going to give me a hug. So I'll just go ahead and shut down the conversation. Not over
3: $3. I'm not.
0: (laughs) What about Tree Fitty? (laughs) Well, let's see what happens with the future of Google Hangouts because it's disappointing news to me. Uh, I just hope that they do something like grandfather us in or just it's like the G chat thing where it basically is a non-issue to the front end for the average Joe. We'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. Moving on to the extra extra news point here. I know, SP, you got a couple of spacey things. Kick us off with one of them. What do you got? I do.
3: This is actually pretty exciting. And it just happened today. The Soyuz launched a new crew to the space station. So in a SpaceNews.com post by Jeff Faust, it was reported that three new crew members are on their way to the International Space Station following a successful Soyuz launch today, December 3rd, 2018, less than two months after the previous manned mission suffered an abort during launch. The Soyuz spacecraft carries Russian cosmonaut Oleg Krononenko, American astronaut Anne McLean. Wait a minute, guys a McLean on the International Space Station over Christmas. This has some interesting Uh-oh. possibilities.
2: <laughs> yippee ki mother trucker.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and Canadian astronaut David Saint-Jacques. The three will stay on the station for six and a half months. Now, remember, on October 11, 2018, the Soyuz MS-10 mission failed, and an investigation led by Roscosmos with NASA as an observer Concluded that one of the four side boosters on the Soyuz rocket was installed improperly, causing it to recontact the core stage during separation. Four Soyuz launches have taken place since that failure, all without incident. The accident and resulting change in launch schedules did affect the Soyuz MS 11 crew. Their launch was moved up from December 20th, as we re- previously reported on Geek, so that they could overlap with the current crew who Will now return to Earth in their Soyuz MS 09 spacecraft that day. So we have a way to get to the International Space Station again.
0: Oh, Canada. I was so excited about this. Their was...
2: use <laughs> might be. No, here. there's no. You,
0: you can. my. You. Yeah, like, you Star Spangled Banner would not be copyrighted.
2: Yeah, but I'm sure someone I would sh- issue a takedown notice.
0: No. What, oh, my. Yeah, Things yeah, are not you know that we different get up here.
2: We get takedown take notices for innocuous background track stuff <sighs> that God knows how they hear. You know we'd get one That's for true. O Canada and the Star Spangled Banner. That's true. But okay, so
0: <laughs> number one, joking aside, super excited because um, I don't know. We, I, I'm going to say it. I think that Canada has the most popular social media modern era uh, astronaut. I think Chris Hatfield was is the most well-known mainstream astronaut in recent. I'm going go ahead and say that. Like, from a public social media aspect, like, you know, public interest, I think it would be very hard to find somebody that has the name recognition right now for a Joe Average than Chris Hatfield.
3: When did he last fly on the space station, Stephen?
0: Yes, it was... A, I get it. I understand that it was, like, what, it was five years ago, six years ago now? But... I still think Chris Hadfield did so many things that were like really mind blowing in the world of, um, of space and social media that again, I think it would be very hard to make a case about a more present current era right now, social media, social media person. So
2: Scott Kelly. No. Yeah, I I, I was gonna say the same thing. Scott Kelly. No. He was tweeting from space about his experiences, came back and tweeted about how his body readjusted after stuff like that. Scott Kelly.
0: No. Chris Chris Hatfield, uh, you know, the space oddity thing, like that sealed it. Sealed it. And and there were so many random videos that Chris Hatfield did. And and I don't expect us to agree because you're American, I'm Canadian. I I totally believe there's American and Canadian bias coming into this argument. Um okay, hold on, Stephen.
3: You said who is more name recognition than Hatfield or similar? I said, Scott Kelly is similar. Joe, I said
0: Joe Average, and I don't believe that Joe Average, random person would. I, I believe that people you would go, okay, you would show some of Scott Kelly's work to Joe Average, and they would go, what? You would show them Space I'd so be like, yeah, I remember seeing that. I t- I totally think. That you're you're more likely to see Joe Average. You have
3: astronaut twins, is more recognizable in average Joe's memory than Commander Hatfield. I'm not trying to take away anything from Commander Hatfield. The man is a genius, he's wonderful to listen to, and he's fun to watch and see and everything. But I'm just telling you, from Joe Average, the twin aspect of Scott Kelly and his brother Mark has something going for
0: him. I will disagree 110% because of the fact that um, there was no Joe Average reach by the twins. They, the, the, he wasn't put it, the fact that he was a twin wasn't getting published all over Twitter until the, he came back. While Chris was up there, there was all sorts of stuff. I
2: Do I, we follow the same people on Twitter? Yeah, you obviously not. Here's the thing. You guys
0: are geeks. We're all three of us are geeks. But when you see regular random person that has no interest in space like us posting Space Oddity, you don't see those same people posting twins. And again, I don't expect us to agree And I expect tons of people disagreeing with me because we have a very large American base. But I I disagree on an international level. I think that Chris Hadfield just destroyed it with social media, especially given what was available at the time. But putting that aside, I'm just so excited to have a Canadian back up there again.
2: Yay! Now that we made this all about geopolitical influencing (laughs) and stuff like that,
0: good lord. Uh, it's so exciting. Uh, but we are also both dependent, though, of course, on a foreign body. So we have that in common. That's our common interest is we can't do it ourselves. For another six months. Right. At this moment, we can't do it ourselves. Moving on with the news, what was your second space piece you had here before we get into our heartbreaking Netflix news, Chris, or Stargate Pioneer? <laughs>
3: Yeah, this was actually a banner day in space because this is another thing that happened today on December 3rd, 2018. And so in a space.com article, senior writer Mike Wall reported that SpaceX has actually made history by simultaneously flying a Falcon 9 reusable booster for the third time and carrying 64 tiny satellites into orbit. The Falcon 9 booster stuck its landing today, touching down softly about eight minutes after liftoff, on the SpaceX drone ship, just read the instructions. I love these names of these ships, which was stationed in the Pacific Ocean. SpaceX also attempted to catch the rocket's payload fairing, which is the protective nose cone that surrounds the satellite during launch as it goes through the atmosphere, and it tried to do that today with its net-equipped boat, Mr. Steven. Now, the company plans to reuse these fairings, which cost about $6 million to manufacture in the future, but this attempt was unsuccessful, as Mr. Stevens' several prior attempts have also been unsuccessful. SpaceX still plans to reuse the fairing, so somebody's got to go dive and get it, which costs about $6 million to manufacture. I just want to point that out again, and Musk said that in a tweet today. So, yep, and another banner Launch for SpaceX, they got some records, used a booster for three times, and launched simultaneously 64 satellites.
0: Wow. That's awesome. So happy to see the, um, the satellites being launched, because clearly these are the ones that got Team Flash back online this season. That's, the, that's exactly what these are. They're actual satellites they then. use.
3: These are much, much smaller than the satellites used by Team Flash.
0: Well, now that's just disappointing. Very, very disappointing. And now my heart is broken, like how you didn't give me a hug earlier. Oh. Not over $3. <laughs> More than $3. Just $3 a month, Stargate Pioneer. $3 a month. Add that up.
3: You're an adult with two kids of your own? Buck up. If you want to pay for it, you can find the budget to pay for it. If you can't pay for it, get a better job.
0: <laughs> All right. And finally, on our extra extra here, this is sad. This is truthfully sad, sad news. Last week, Netflix continued on their Marvel cancellation run. Chris Farrell, I can't even finish this. You go ahead and do this. You break all of our hearts for us.
2: I get to break everyone's and you get hearts? You got to break our hearts. Well, if you guys missed it, in addition to the shows they've already canceled, it was officially announced that Marvel has canceled Netflix. Not Netflix. <laughs> that Netflix has canceled Marvel's Daredevil. After three seasons, there was a lot of hope for a fourth season. I haven't finished the third season yet, but I've really enjoyed what I've gotten through so far. The showrunner had gone to go and pitch season four, and it was canceled, but with a statement that there would be more Daredevil adventures in the future. So the question is, well, th- the question has been answered. I-, I honestly believe we're done with this current cast and crew. This is the end. We're going to see some other iteration of Daredevil on Disney+. Plus. There was another article that came out speaking with television critic alan seppenwall who works for rolling stone who pretty much said what's going on here is that disney's getting these things back they're breaking away from the tv side of the house that had separate control and putting everything under one banner so as much as i enjoyed charlie cox and vincent d'onofrio Debra wool uh eldrick hence i might have screwed up his last name i don't remember the actor's name who played foggy as much as i enjoyed them in the role. It looks like we're not going to see them back in that. And hey, guys, don't be shocked if Jessica Jones gets canceled once it wraps its third season currently in production. And if the Punisher also goes away once season two airs, which is, I think, in post production right now, it's very strange. But evidently, Marvel wants everything back under their banner. And I'm kind of bummed out because now we're into the ones that I really liked. Let's be clear. Disney and Marvel did not cancel these
3: shows. These shows were canceled. By Netflix. Now, secondary factors from Disney and Marvel led to the cancellation, but Disney and Marvel, neither one forced these cancellations. Netflix did it on their own.
2: There was a separate article that the Marvel writing staff for uh, Daredevil was meeting up with the showrunner to go and have celebratory drinks and stuff for post-season three after uh, the pitch meeting for season four. And while they were there, they got the word and were shocked that Daredevil was canceled.
0: Yeah, I, so, I'm i going to slightly change my tune on what I think the future of this is. So I thought at first that these were going to end up on Disney Plus. Now, I'm going to say right now, I don't think that anymore. But I do think that it's related to Disney Plus because I think that um, I think Disney came in, tried to buy back some rights of some form, like I originally speculated, but it wasn't to use. Uh, What I think probably happened was they wanted to get the rights back. They offered to buy them back because, again, Netflix paid for the rights. So they ended up obviously um, paying money and they had the rights for how long? If they want to continue, they could have continued. There's not a darn thing Disney could have done if Disney kept being refused or their offer kept being refused. So I think what it is now is Netflix knows Disney wants it. Net- Disney has pulled other content, and you know all those licensing agreements they have. We talked about that they pulled other content, so Netflix will no longer have it. So now this is just more of a let's see how bad we can make the brand and just make it worthless before Disney does, you know, want to buy it back and and sort of increase the idea of um, Disney of Disney's offer because they know where the end result is. And so they're just trying to get the biggest dump truck backed up to them of money because right now, if if Netflix has the rights and they kept doing it, that's still developing Disney's property. That one day they will get back. One day that licensing agreement will be back. Will be up, and Disney will just take it. So now you know if they try to soil, not soil it, but make it almost like just just the reruns are there and make it less valuable to to not valuable but less public interest in it then what happens is you get the whole Fantastic Four thing where, you know, consumers don't want to see another Fantastic Four. And so Disney ends up um, in a bad situation where now they've bought back a brand that has a bad name to it.
2: So I think you've gone a little too conspiracy theory on it personally. But if you go and look at what Netflix is doing in this last year, the time has passed where Netflix has backed the money truck up and said, we'll produce whatever you bring us. Now Netflix is to the point where they're, practice, where they're putting test runs of things out. Like the Joel McHale show, they put two different iterations of it before they canceled it because it wasn't working. Different comedy specials, they did that. There was American Vandal. They didn't own the rights to it, but they they licensed and purchased it. They showed it for two seasons and they said, no, we're done. Why? Because Netflix is shifting more towards things that they own outright. Especially with this upcoming Witcher series, it's going to be starring Henry Cavill. They're putting a ton of, of force behind that. There's going to be a ton of cost that goes into doing it. So Netflix is kind of moving more towards the HBO model that they kind of started at and then moved away from, which is we're going to foot the bill for some real high quality content that we own. They're moving away from licensing things from other people or buying up properties that people don't want anymore. And I think that's why you're starting to see the Marvel things go away because Netflix doesn't own them outright. It's not as profitable for them. And there's a secondary thing, and I'm not sure how much I buy into it, but I wish I could find the site again. There were a few studies that were done on the social media traffic surrounding these, surrounding Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Daredevil, in the recent seasons. Because we all know Netflix does not publish ratings. They don't talk ratings at all. So it's up to the internet wizards out there to try and figure out just how do we correlate success and failure to Netflix shows? Well, one of the ways they tried to go back and figure out how successful some of these shows were was looking at trending timelines and things like that. Go back to season one of Daredevil. Look and see how long it was trending for, how many people were tweeting about it, how long the social media buzz lasted. Do the same thing for season two, season three, and compare those three seasons to see how the social media buzz has died down. And it was astonishing to me when they did that for like Luke Cage and Iron Fist. They said something to the effect of they had lost 60% of their buzz between season one and season two. And Daredevil was down 45%, I think it was, they said, was season three. So the social media buzz is less. Do I think that's because less people are watching it? I don't know. I don't control those metrics. I think part of what you're seeing is there's an oversaturation of too much stuff to watch. So you've got people are like, well, I can catch it later. I don't need to binge watch anymore. The binge watching thing is not as commonplace as it used to be. It's more of, oh, that's finally out. I'll get to it when I have a chance. So I think it's kind of twofold what we're seeing here. The buzz died down on these things a little bit and Netflix doesn't own them. And they would rather put out content that they wholly own because that's what's going to be more cost effective for them.
0: I agree by the way, about the whole uh, binge thing dying down. And I, I won't be surprised if we don't start to see a more week by week model introduced again. Like you've seen that with some stuff. Uh, Netflix has done a couple. I know like um, Amazon Prime does it with, oh, I can never remember the name, a uh, Grand Tour. They release it week to week because I've said it for a long time. The, there's no water cooler talk involved, right? Yeah. And I personally have always missed that. You know, Chris, you started watching Daredevil. You were so excited about it. You came on this show, you talked about it. You, you've, skirted around a certain scene in a certain episode, and then I watched it, and I was so excited. I messaged you, and then I kept watching it, and there was another really interesting moment, and then I went to message you about it, and I'm like, wait a minute, maybe he hasn't watched, and he ha- and you hadn't. Chris Farrell had, had stopped watching. He'd been stuck on, or not watched past a certain episode. That's and I- not my fault. <laughs> right, but what I'm saying is you were miles ahead of me, weeks ahead of me, then I got ahead of you and we couldn't have that banter back and forth because we were misaligned, right? You know, when you were ready to talk, I hadn't watched when I was ready to talk. You hadn't watched. And so I think you might start to see it, that whole buzz factor does play a bigger factor and you'll get more week to week things. I don't know. Let's turn it over to the master of Marvel things, The owner of agents of she, I mean, legends of shield Stargate Pioneer. here. What's what's your take on this? Yeah, it's kind
3: of a combination of what you guys have been saying. I do think that Netflix wants to own more of its own content. And they did what Sci-Fi did with The Expanse and said, we want to own all the rights forever. They did say that they were going to keep the shows on Netflix for a very long time. So if you haven't had a chance to watch them, which I haven't, I'm watching the first season of Punisher right now. I've taken them all in chronological order. We're talking about The Punisher right now on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., and we do plan on going through the rest. I kind of have to have a moment that I get a chance to get caught up before (laughs) (laughs) the next big Marvel series. is. But, guys, let's take a broader look at everything. Disney, even though it did not have anything to do with this discussion, Disney has had a major course correction in 2018, about the Star Wars franchise people were getting Star Wars fatigue and they had to ratchet back how much Star Wars content was going out so they canceled some movies they lengthened some movies when they were actually going to come out and to give more time to production and also to space them out I think the heads that are thinking about this at Disney are also trying to apply it to Marvel and While the buzz on Marvel is pretty high right now following Infinity War with the MCU, they're looking ahead of what's going to happen post-Avengers 4 when they're going to have a major cast restructure within the MCU. There's the whole Guardians of the Galaxy issue that's hanging out there as well. And they want to take a look about how much Marvel content is out there. Once again, they didn't have a choice on whether Netflix was going to cancel it or not. But they're probably thinking, good, Netflix has canceled this so that we can control how much content is out there. I think Agent Carter was another uh, casualty in this as well, where there was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter. I think it was just too much Marvel content out there for both shows on network TV. And then you add in the Netflix shows, you add in the other shows on FX with Legion, with uh, the... Fox shows with, you know, everything on the secondary channels. There's a lot of Marvel TV content out there or small screen content out there right now. And I think Disney wants to rein that back a little bit. They don't have the rights to the Marvel stuff yet. That still belongs to Fox until this merger actually goes through. When the merger goes through, I think you're going to see some more extensive restructure of things. I don't think you'll see cancellations of shows until they run their course but I think Marvel is, or Disney is trying to be protective of this $1.2 billion and then whatever they're going to spend on Fox to try to make money with these characters and this IP for the long term.
0: Fair enough. So if you have been heartbroken about this or you want to go ahead and tell us why our conspiracy theories, my conspiracy theory, is a load of you-know-what, let us know through any of the ways you can go ahead and hit us up on Twitter. At twitter.com slash gonna geek, go over to facebook.com slash gonna geek, or best yet, come over to our Gonna Geek Discord at gunnageek.com slash Discord and write us a kind message over there and tell me though kindly how crazy I am because. Yeah, I'm used to SP just being ruthless with me and and not giving me a hug and and being mean to me and Chris Farrell telling me how ugly I am. I'm used to the ruthlessness. I just need a little kindness. What did I do that? I never did that. I, I'm. Mm-hmm. I just assumed. I just assumed that that's what you thought about me.
2: <laughs> well, you go. know what happens when you assume. <laughs> Let's
0: go ahead and move into one of my favorite moments here on the Goodie show. A 2019. Uh, 18 sp space symposium see what i almost did there
1: you probably know sp from various shows on the gunny geek network but did you know that outside of podcasting he's actually the director of the secret government space organization called snasa you're about to hear him declassify some area 51 level secrets in the segment he calls sp's space symposium
3: I'm really excited this week. We get to talk about Mariner 2, and I didn't realize how excited this mission was until I did some research into it again. I heard about it years and years ago when I was a kid, and I just kind of put it in the back of my mind because so much else has happened in spaceflight and the exploration of the solar system that was really a treat to talk about Mariner 2, which, by the way, is the first successful Venus flyby and it happened in 1962. For those unfamiliar with my space symposium, we started this way back in Gene Geek episode number 136. We talked about some space telescopes. We transitioned into some orbiting probes and now as of last time episode 262, we talked about Pioneer 5 was was the first interplanetary probe and now we're talking about the first probe sent to another planet. So Mariner 2 was definitely the world's first successful interplanetary spacecraft mariner 2 became the first successful mission to another planet when it flew by venus on december 14th 1962 at that time mariner 2 passed within 34000 kilometers or for those of you on the english measurement system 21000 miles of venus and it sent back valuable new information about interplanetary space and the venusian atmosphere Mariner 2 was actually a backup for Mariner 1 mission, which failed shortly after launch to Venus. We'll talk about that in a little bit. To go by the numbers of the mission, it was a heliocentric orbit type, which is a heliocentric orbit is an orbit around the sun. And it was an orbit between Venus and Earth. It was launched on August 27th. 1962 aboard an Atlas Agena B rocket, which is slightly underpowered for this sort of mission, so they definitely had to take some weight away from the spacecraft, which led to some interesting trade-offs, which we'll talk about later. Now, it was controlled in mission control at the Jet Propulsion Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena, California. This probe weighed 202.8 kilograms, which is about 447.1 pounds. Now, this is actually about the weight of a rear axle and tires for a 2018 GMC Sierra 4x4. (laughs) I knew it. I knew it. And somebody has a set of GMC keys that they were showing on the screen. The dimensions. Now, the space bus was about 3.6 meters tall by about one meter wide with the base and the solar cells, there was two of them, spanned about five meters, which, you know, roughly in the English is about 15 feet. And below the spacecraft, spacecraft bus, there was a large dish antenna, which was mounted down there, and that was separate from the dimensions of the spacecraft bus. The mission, or the objective of Mariner 2, was to fly by Venus and return data on the planet's atmosphere, magnetic field, charged particle environment, and mass. It also made measurements of the interplanetary medium during its cruise to Venus. I like that term cruise. It's like a vacation, right? A
2: cruise.
0: As long as it's not Ooh. like a Chevy cruise, which is being canceled.
2: Aha! I was hoping it's like a Disney cruise where I can see all my favorite super. Oh, wait. Oh, a big red boat. Maybe it's like a Tom cruise where you're jumping on a couch. Bad yeah, for but a couch. I'd rather it be a Tom Hanks.
3: That's true. I Yeah, I think everybody would rather be a Tom Hicks. So anyway, <laughs> during its cruise to Venus and after the flyby. Now, take yourself back to 1962 or pretend that you're back in 1962. And Before this mission, we really didn't know anything about Venus other than what we were able to get through telescopes. So we didn't know anything about Venus and we couldn't see anything about Venus. So there was rampant speculation that it was a tropical planet, you know, Star Trek or Star Wars wise, where the entire planet is one climate and it was just really hot rainforest and that's why we really couldn't see anything about it. So that's why this mission was really important because we didn't know anything about it. We needed to find out about it and see if we had some neighbors over there that were going to say hi. So the payload of this mission had several different... Instruments to it. It lacked one we'll talk about that later, but it had a microwave radiometer, it had an infrared radiometer, it had three access flux gate magnetometer and flux gate. That's like a flux capacitor right there, right? So I think we know where that came from. This was a time uh, ship? Apparently, yeah. So maybe it happened in 1961. And it had a cosmic ray detector, a cosmic dust detector a solar plasma spectrometer, and particle detectors. Now, the mission had a few anomalies with it during its short time, and we're going to go through a few of them. I alluded to one already, and it was Mariner 1's failure. So Mariner 1 lifted off on July 22, 1962. However, in the minutes after launch, it began veering uncomfortably close to a shipping area and inhabitable zone close to the launch site at Cape Canaveral. The range safety officer detonated the rocket at 293 seconds after launch. Mariner's flight lasted less than five minutes because of that. It was later determined the issue was due to an error in the launcher's guidance software. The problem was identified as an error in the software specification due to an overbar, which is a dash above a symbol, being left out when the specification was being manually copied. It was later dubbed the most expensive hyphen in history. So yeah. That hurts a lot. Yeah. Manual copy. So we didn't have computer word processors back then or anything. It was being manually copied in. So wow, that's what caused it to crash. Now did they consider doing
0: a wheel alignment on their GMC Sierra? Because like that sometimes when I'm veering uncontrollably, I just do a wheel alignment.
3: You also have to look at the balance of the tires because that could come into factor That's as well. That's fair, fair. And then the rotors might be warped a little bit, so you might uh, have to turn those or at least replace them.
0: Could be also... I hate, may, I hate you all. Maybe one of the tires has less air in it.
3: It could. Yeah. yeah
0: all all things that needed to be checked out. So Did they check that NASA, out?
3: Yeah. So NASA was pretty smart, <laughs> and they knew that the sort of thing was going to happen, and they didn't want to lose time, basically, because the orbital... Positions of the planet only allowed for a launch window in such a close time. So they actually created two probes that were twins of each other, like Scott and Mark Kelly, by the way. So these two were the exact same. They made a backup and (laughs) the backup was able to launch later. So NASA was able to go ahead and, and do this because they had a spare basically in the trunk. So
0: they had a spare tire. Cool.
3: Yeah, oh. yeah, the Sparrow Mariner 2 laying around. <laughs> so they were able to launch that. So dur- another anomaly during the mission in flight, which was on the 8th of September, the spacecraft suddenly lost its attitude control, which was then restored by the gyroscopes about three minutes later. The cause was unknown, but has been speculated to have been a collision with a small object. So that was on the 8th of September. So on the 31st of october so the was,
0: 3rd, that, was, was that like hitting a deer with your car
3: is that what that was that is the spacecraft version of hitting a deer with your car yes okay.
0: or your truck in this case
3: yeah and it didn't have a snowplow on the front so <laughs> you weren't able to absorb
2: <laughs> all right you, you won me back right there you won me right
3: back <laughs> yeah people in montana and colorado have put snowplows on their trucks just to drive around so that they protect the truck from deer that's a true story. So on October 31st, the output from one of the solar panels deteriorated abruptly, and the science cruise instruments were turned off. A week later, the panel resumed normal function, and instruments were turned back on. However, the panel permanently failed on the 15th of November. But Mariner 2 happened to be close enough to the sun that one panel could supply adequate power for the entire spacecraft. That's so awesome. Three three major anomalies that happened for mariner 2 to get to venus on the 14th of december now in this entire mission the flyby and the cruise to venus there were some major scientific discoveries made by mariner 2 and that included finding out that venus had a slow retrograde rotation once again that's a slow retrograde rotation it had hot surface temperatures and high high extremely high surface pressures It had predominantly a carbon dioxide atmosphere, leading to theories of a runaway greenhouse effect. It had continuous cloud cover with a top altitude over Venus, about 60 kilometers. Venus had no detectable magnetic field, which means it didn't have an iron core like Earth protecting the planet. It was also shown that in interplanetary space, the solar wind streams were continuous and the cosmic dust density is much lower Than in the near Earth region. Also, there were improved estimates of Venus mass and the value of the astronomical units were made. And finally, it measured solar, uh, Mariner 2 measured solar wind, which happened to be a constant stream of charged particles, which was flying outward from the sun, which we talked about before with Pioneer 5. So, lots of great scientific discoveries from Mariner 2. If it was not for Mariner 2, we would not know a bunch of these things. A little bit of historical notes from the Mariner 2 mission. One notable absence from the Mariner 2 suite of instruments was a camera. Now, astronomer and science populizer Carl Sagan was among the designers of the spacecraft. Decades later, he happened to write it was a wronged-headed decision to send the spacecraft without a camera. Quote, There were those who maintained that cameras really weren't scientific instruments, but rather catch-as-catch-can, razzle-dazzle, pandering to the public and unable to answer a single, straightforward, well-poised scientific question. I thought myself, That whether there are breaks in the clouds was one such question. I argued that cameras could also answer questions that were way too dumb to even pose. At any rate, (laughs) no camera was flown, unquote. And that was from his 1996 book, Pale Blue Dot.
0: Yeah, you're getting the uh, slow clap. That was a great Carl Sagan. Uh, Well done. If I had a hat, I would tip it to the...
3: Yes, I, I couldn't get the billions and billions in there because, you know, it, it wasn't part of the quote, but billions and billions. Yeah, Carl Sagan, wonderful man, really instrumental in early spaceflight and scientific discovery. Now, so the operational length of this mission was only four months and seven days. The end of life came with a last transmission from Mariner 2 on the 3rd of January, 1963. So guys, Mariner 2, very spectacular even though it was really small and didn't last very long, but we learned a lot because of Mariner 2.
0: Okay. I have a question for you. Quest. So, space is cold, right?
3: It is very cold. Very cold, In space. Yeah, I learned that from Star Trek 2.
0: While you were talking about it, you said the Venus flyby, they were able to gather that it was very hot temperatures. Does that mean, like, partway through that it had to switch from winter tires to summer tires to cope with the heat?
3: Well, what it did is it had the spikes in the tires that came out upon a certain wear, you know, like you see in Zambonis right. and trucks in Canada. So okay. yeah, it was just an ablative tire. Then, then spikes came out.
0: Okay. I just was worried the, I just didn't want the whole, you know, um, DeLorean effect where the tires just fall off. because so, of the heat
3: with, yeah. yeah, we wouldn't, We wouldn't want that. No, yes. Uh, Of course not. (laughs) We'll talk about Venus in the future because we have some spectacular landers that lasted very short time periods, but we wouldn't have even known to design the lander to those specifications if it wasn't for Mariner 2. And guys, if you think this is fun, uh, Stephen, I've got a great one for you next time. It might not be all that spectacular, but I know it's meaningful for you. We're going to talk about Alouette 1 which was the first Canadian satellite, which was launched on a U.S. rocket, but it was the first Canadian satellite launched in 1962.
0: It smelled like maple syrup.
3: As long as you don't smell fudge when there is no fudge indeed present.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you very much for this and putting up with our uh my random interjections uh the fact that you went along with it and made chris facepalm many times for the audio listeners chris chris facepalm many many times in that segment uh always a successful episode when that happens so thank you very much for that stargate pioneer you bet and if you want to
3: see some great pictures of the spacecraft it's actually looking like an interstellar probe you can just go to the Wikipedia article. I found that a lot of the pictures that I was finding on other sites, NASA sites and whatever, were on the Wikipedia article. But it is kind of fun to look at. And it was even fun to look at when it w- was standing in the clean room with a guy mm-hmm. next to it. So you can see how big it really is.
0: And we'll have that in the notes over on Link slash 266 or snasa.space. That's space. We'll take you right over to SP space symposium corner of going to geek hint. There are no hugs involved.
2: So thank you very
0: much again for that. Stargate pioneer really do appreciate it. I will say every time we do this, I think it's very important that we continue to talk about past space and other space things so that we can move forward because there was a very, I call it a dark time. I think that space shuttle era was a dark time in the world of space exploration. After we were successful, we got very, um, very used to what worked. And I think we kind of stalled a bit.
3: Well, and that is my big issue with the Hubble and the Hubble was from the space shuttle era. And the fact that so many resources are associated with the space shuttle during that time and the Hubble that it's preventing other science from happening as well, just because NASA has a limited budget. You know, there's only so much money that NASA has, and it's got to split itself out. In all fairness, NASA thought that they could get a lot more reasonable than they did. I think even SpaceX is having problems with that right now, and it just limits what you can do in space. So I think we've always had these long-term scientific goals, but we haven't had an opportunity to make small quick missions like this or even insight that we were talking about last we even though insight is very expensive it's going to be a quick mission you know two years and done so i'm looking forward to more of that there was a, another spacecraft this week that actually we haven't talked about it yet but it met up with a comment and it's going to return rocks from a, an asteroid basically in two years and that's going to be a fun one to talk about as well so lots of stuff going on in space right now
0: all right well before we close up i'm going to give a moment here for stargate pioneer and chris farrell to plug and promote and do whatever they would like to do we'll start off with chris farrell chris farrell would you like to plug yourself or talk about all
2: things good nerdy because you didn't earlier sure so if you're not familiar i do a live podcast with some friends of mine every sunday live at 11 am eastern 10 a.m central over at geeks.live why i bring that up is not to promote myself but to promote geeks.live where you can go and watch live gonna geek network content there's a calendar at the bottom of the page just scroll down there you will see when all of the live events are that you can tune in and watch so if you do go watch another show let them know in the chat room that we sent you
0: and by the way chris farrell i just want to say that uh you are responsible for the Geeks Live. Like, yes, we all have done our part, but you were the one that was streaming before all of us live. So let's just go ahead and say that you you made it happen.
2: That's because I was lazy and wanted an easy way to record. <laughs> uh, it is
0: fun though. We do. Fingers crossed, have a little bit of fresh Geeks Live content coming your way at least once a month. We'll leave it at that. We won't. We won't name names. We'll leave it at that because sometimes things change, and that's okay. But I just want to go ahead and say we might have a little bit new fresh stuff coming there. And this time, this time, unlike last time, it's not Stargate Pioneer dresses himself because that was just a disaster last time we did that.
3: Yeah, nobody wants to see SP.
0: (gasps) SP, do you have anything that you want to plug or promote?
3: sure you know I, i'm gonna let the cat out of the bag a little bit but we've got this great show on the network wow on-
0: wow wow that cat was in there a while
3: <laughs> that was a bad cat impression <laughs> <laughs> we've got this great podcast on the network called on the bubble with joshua liston and what he does and what he focuses on are the shows save campaigns from fans and he's done a couple of great episodes recently steven you recorded a little bit of audio for joshua i have recorded a little bit of audio for joshua i'm not going to say what the subjects are we'll say that when it comes out but we are looking forward to both of those episodes when they come out because a lot of great content in on the bubble and both are actually relevant to what's going on in
0: 2018 and uh, again at the risk of spoiling something that uh, he doesn't want to yet um the one that he did with me it was a special honor because he actually shook up his format a little bit for one episode so i don't want to say anything else it's exciting because i know that it was new territory for him so uh it was fun it was a really really fun episode and we look forward to seeing those on there hint josh that means get them out because we're we're very self-centered we want them out we want them out we like to hear ourselves
3: you're so bad, Stephen. Uh, That's not why no. they can, need to come out. Actually, Josh <laughs> adds a lot of extra stuff, even when he changes up the format. So it's going to be fun, as all of the podcasts on gonnageek are. Absolutely. So please go to com and see all the podcasts. Pick one. You're going to have a winner.
0: For sure. So there you go for episode 266 of the official GunnaGeek.com show. I'm Steven John Drew, saying that today I felt a little bit like Kesha. I think SP is Jerry Seinfeld.
3: And we're going to have to talk about Elon Musk going to Mars.
2: And I'm Chris Farrell, and I'm going to go watch this Captain Marvel trailer now. Oh,
0: Daredevil was canceled. Oh, oh, I'm sad. Bye. Bye. Now that Steven depressed I need us. a hug.
1: Thanks for checking out another episode of the official GunnaGeek.com show. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. You can always join us for our live recording sessions, which stream Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunageekcom forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.